Welcome to Content Etc, a podcast to help you work through the challenges of marketing your creative small business. I'm your host, journalist and copywriter Michelle Gately from Word by Word Storytelling. I want to help you feel really excited about the content marketing process so you can feel confident in it and know that it's not just something else to cross off your to-do list. I'm all about the gentle and sustainable growth, so if you're after quick hacks and one-size-fits-all templates, then this is not the place for you. My mission is to help you create content marketing that's actually interesting, feels and sounds authentic, not just like a sales robot, and has just a little sprinkle of strategic magic. I want to help you feel really great about your content so that you can show your dream clients why you're their perfect match. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Content Etc. Today we are still talking evergreen marketing and we are diving into all the sort of bits of advice and top tips from lovely guest Josephine Brooks. So this is part two of a little two-part interview and sort of advice episode. Uh, So in the last episode, Josephine shared her story, her experiences and going from cycles of launching and feeling really burnt out to building evergreen marketing. And now that's something she helps other people do as well. So this episode is going to be all about starting your evergreen marketing or, you know, continuing it if you've sort of fallen off the bandwagon a little bit. Um, and you know, I'm sure that there will be lots and lots of tips. So welcome again, Josephine. Thank you you. for joining me. So we sort of talked a little bit about your evergreen marketing strategy in the last episode. So I think Mm. that we should just dive straight into why do you, why do you love evergreen marketing? Well, yeah, it's a, it's funny because I think before I really got into that launch cycle that we talked about in the last episode, I was pretty good with consistent blogging. I was pretty good with, um, yeah, consistent blogging. I've always been pretty good with email the last year, not included. Burnout year doesn't count. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I used to blog quite a bit. That's kind of how I started out. And then I got stuck into this launch cycle and then I got burned out on the launch cycle, as I mentioned. And with that burnout came like a really strong reminder of you're an introvert what are you doing trying to go live on instagram every other day and film these reels and pretend you're some kind of extrovert and i do think i go through phases with things i have these phases of like having lots of energy and wanting to get on camera and record videos and things like that but i just loved getting back to squirreling away, writing from my bed, writing on my sofa, you know, it doesn't matter, you're not on camera, you can just, yeah, it's it's so introvert friendly is one reason why I love evergreen marketing. Um, the other reason is because I love getting a bit nerdy with the, not even like the, the data, it's like um, just doing a bit of keyword research or going into my Google search console and looking at, oh, that keyword's starting to get some impressions. That's interesting. I wonder if I could work on that. Oh, what page is it on? Oh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Or looking in my Google Analytics and looking at, oh, it's interesting that that blog post is getting the most traffic. Obviously, there's something around that that people are interested in. And spoiler alert, when I looked at it this month, my highest traffic driving blog post was about marketing without social media, which is very interesting. Um, probably not that surprising, but kind of, yeah, very interesting because it's certainly not us that's just feeling yeah, that. Yeah, and we did speak um, about that in the last episode as well, just yeah. saying that it does feel like more and more people are looking for ways to, I guess, diversify their marketing yeah, outside definitely. social media. So yeah, it's not just us. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, so yeah, I think and there's the obvious thing which is that it's really rewarding it obviously is a long game but it's really rewarding when you write a piece a bit like that social media piece which I wrote a few months ago now which consistently for a few months has been my highest traffic driver and it's like well yeah I created that back in October and it's been driving traffic for the last four months without me having to do anything so that probably comes like weirdly last on my list of why I love it because I think you have to enjoy it first to stick with it but that's kind of the obvious thing is like it's the long game it's it's not 
okay, it's a, it's a new day, I've got to get back on the Instagram treadmill, let's record another reel, you know, which for me personally is not exciting. So yeah, yeah a few things why I'm such an Evergreen Marketing fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree so much and I often share that in my emails and in my marketing, um, that I really believe that you should be choosing marketing channels and, and a marketing strategy that you genuinely enjoy. Like it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. Like, like, if you're sitting there thinking, I hate marketing, I don't want to market my business, then you probably shouldn't be in business. There is going to be aspects of marketing that you don't like. But at the end of the day, selling and marketing is part of running your business. And if you don't like that, then maybe you need to be employed by someone else and not yourself, you know, and I've had to grapple with that myself. Um, But there are ways that you can do it to make it easy. And I just wrote about this in my emails, uh, which will be linked in the uh, in the episode description, as will the link to yours, Josephine, because I love reading your emails. But I just wrote an email recently about how personally, when I work out, I hate being at the gym. I like to have a TV show on and I work out at home. Mm. And that's the only way I can consistently work out. Now, my husband is like, I don't understand how you can work out at home. I have to go to the gym. What do you mean you don't like listening to music when you work out? That's really weird. But yeah. for me, like, the, I have to make it enjoyable. And also, like, I've got, I've got a personal trainer who does workouts with me online. And mm. she's so good at doing it just hard enough that you get that satisfaction of like, oh, yes, I feel like I've done a hard workout, but I'm not wanting to like vomit with the intensity of this workout. (laughs) Because if I was facing that every single day, I just would not do it. Like exercise, a bit like marketing, is not something I want to do. I don't enjoy it usually, but realistically, I got to move my body a little bit if I want to be healthy, right? So for me, it's been about finding a a mode of exercise and a way to move my body and a way to do it consistently that I don't hate. And so if you are sitting there thinking, I hate marketing, then maybe, maybe enjoying it is a step too far at the moment. Maybe what you need to do is think, what can I do to make it less intimidating? Something that I Mm. dislike less. How can I like dial down the I hate this and then maybe you might start to enjoy it because sometimes I really look forward to a workout and then I think who the hell am I like (laughs) I did not think I'd enjoy a workout but for me it like I just see it as the same thing of if you are sitting Mm. there thinking oh my god I need to film these reels and I hate them you're just not you're not going to do it whereas you know I have come to absolutely adore writing an email I love writing emails yes I love formatting them I love sending them out. I love rereading them in my inbox and thinking, oh, that was a really good email. You know, like that is really, that makes it exciting for me and that makes Mm. selling easier because I feel more comfortable as well. So yeah, yeah, I'm such a big fan of do something you enjoy and figure, and and sometimes it's trial and error. You have to do some reels and then realize that actually you hate yourself doing those reels. So like, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I love that exercise like analogy metaphor so much. That is exactly like the perfect way to describe it because I'm the same. There is no way I could motivate myself to drive to a gym, go to a gym, work out it like everything about it is just like hell no. I mean, I can do the occasional workout at home if I like put a video on I can do it yeah you know every now and again I get that urge but the way I really love to exercise is just to walk my dogs take like for example yesterday we went for like a really long 12 mile walk and I I love that I'm not even thinking like oh my goodness this is exercise and that's exactly how you should feel about your marketing and like say if you're not enjoying it right now you need to find a way where you can enjoy it because I think there will be a way out there It's just that all we ever seem to hear about is how to get traction with your reels, how to find these, you know, trending sounds, whatever it is, how to have a sellout launch, you know, all of this kind of stuff, which if that's not you, if that is the equivalent to here's a shiny new gym membership, um, it's just not gonna, it's gonna be hard work and it's not gonna work. Yeah, (laughs) and we had that moment getting on here as well and thinking, and both of us saying, oh, thank God we're not using the video component of this recording software because, you know, it would be really easy for me to be like, well, I'm just gonna pay more for the video stuff because video podcasts are trending. 
But I would never want to record a podcast then. I would hate that. And I hate the idea of video podcasts. I think they're ridiculous. That's just my personal opinion. I don't know why anyone (laughs) would sit and watch that. Like the whole idea of a podcast is that it's audio. I know people use snippets of it to market stuff, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really work well unless you have multiple cameras. And most of us do not have that. Like it just doesn't work as well yeah. so that's just my personal opinion um but it's like we would not get on and do this if we had to you know wear makeup yeah. and everything first like it would just yeah no it's just not happening anyway so i totally agree evergreen marketing love that love the enjoyment love finding the enjoyment and there are different marketing channels within evergreen Market. you know you mentioned mm-hmm. that you're sort of doing youtube and blogging there's also podcasting, you know, mm-hmm. there's different and email marketing while it doesn't have the same, we're going to go yeah, through some of the like, elements. It's still yeah. a way, it's still a way to market um, that, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's different parts within evergreen marketing that you can pick yeah. and choose what you like. Um, so, I mean, that's a good way to, I guess, get into, um, and you mentioned these just briefly in the last podcast, but let's dive into them now with some examples what do you consider to be the main elements of evergreen marketing? And, you know, what do we need to be thinking about when we look at putting together our own evergreen marketing strategy? Sure. This is why I think a lot of people get really stressed out and frustrated with their marketing is because they aren't quite sure on what the roles are of their marketing channels. And like I said in the last episode, I think there's often a lot of misunderstanding as well about which marketing channels really lend themselves to different jobs. So anyway, let's start with the jobs. So your marketing needs to do a few different jobs. First of all, you need people to discover that your business even exists. You need new people to find you. So that's your kind of discover marketing channels. Then once they've discovered you, once they've come into your world, you need to nurture them. You need to help them get to know, like, and trust you. They need to build an emotional connection with you. So that's your kind of nurture marketing. And then when they're at the point where they do know, like, and trust you, you then need a way of inviting them to buy from you, whether that's buy a product, work with you, you know, buy a course, whatever it is. Put your offers to them. And that's your... um, well, I call it invite, invite, some people call it convert channel. Um, and then finally you have, you know, what lots of people call like retention or surprise and delight, which we'll get to. So first of all, where are, like, I always say to people, list out your marketing channels. What marketing channels are you using right now? Now, which of those marketing channels are helping new people discover you? Where are you getting in front of new people? And this is where evergreen marketing is, like, should be everyone's favourite child because (laughs) it's, you know, the thing with social media, if you're using that as a discovery channel, it's it's a hamster wheel. It's a constant treadmill of creating new content, you know, the discovery only works if you are constantly feeding yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, which which channels are helping you get in front of new people? That might be SEO. So, like, Google search or search on Pinterest or search on YouTube. They're all search engines. So, is it blogging? Is it YouTube? It could even kind of be podcasting, although I would... Put that more in the nurture category. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be Pinterest. It could be outreach. So things like this, where someone finds you through talking on someone else's podcast or guest blogging on someone else's blog. But yeah, think about where you're getting in front of new people. And I think if your answer to this is social media, my that kind of makes me nervous, to be honest, because <laughs> I just don't think social media is the discovery channel it used to be, unless you're doing a lot of collaborations, unless you're doing a lot of reels and they really are getting traction and you're getting those people that are seeing your reels to actually follow you. So I think that's probably where a lot of people need to do the sense checking is around the discovery stuff, because I think this is the bit, like I mentioned earlier, that often gets missed out. Then your nurture... Uh, your nurture marketing is where you're growing that no like and trust um, factor so it's usually longer form content it's maybe it's a mixture of educating people inspiring people entertaining people and just emotional connection where you're probably being a little bit more 
vulnerable or you're sharing a personal story or something like that because you want to make that emotional connection with someone because no one is going to buy from you until they know you, first of all, like you, like what you do and trust you. No one's going to buy from you until they trust you. So that's what this marketing is doing. It's kind of what a lot of people say is all about warming up your audience. But so the channels that work particularly well here are things like blogging, podcasting, um, video. This is where social media can this is the best place to put social media if you want to be on social media, if you like being there. Um, because it's great for getting in front of your audience, chatting with them, creating that connection. And then you want that kind of invite marketing, that um, place where you're converting people from being in your audience to paying customers and clients. That is usually email. It can also, you know, be your blog if you're being really intentional about linking through to your offers and things like that but email is kind of the obvious one when it comes to inviting people to buy from you and then the final piece is um the kind of retention the surprise and delight and I think this one is kind of easy in a way because if you are delivering a good service if you're delivering great courses if you're delivering great products that will kind of happen naturally but it also might be you know email like having a nurture sequence for your post-purchase customers and clients and things like that so yeah that's kind of how I break it down and I think if you can list out your marketing channels and decide what the role of each channel is that will already give you a bit more confidence around okay so I know what each channel is doing yeah and it will help you kind of plan it a little bit better and, and things like that yeah absolutely so yeah getting started with what you've already got and also, yeah. I would say as well, um, working out on there what you want to keep and what you don't like yeah, doing yeah, yeah. anymore as well. Like yeah. That's a good chance to, as you list it all yeah. out, to look and think, actually, do I want to keep doing every single one of these things? Do I mm. feel like I need to? Like, is there an easier way of doing this? Um, yeah. yeah. So something that I know that you've um, spoken about as well is like getting your marketing sort of strategy and your marketing funnel set up before you can look at any sales funnels or things like that. And in the Mm -hmm. last episode, you did share a little bit behind the scenes of what your general marketing strategy looks like now, but can you sort of give us an example of how your marketing works in each of those phases to like guide someone through from like finding you to maybe wanting to work with you? Sure. And actually, I'll really quickly explain the difference between a sales funnel and a marketing funnel, because Mm. I had a clarity call last week and I kind of really I had this kind of intuitive feeling, but it really dawned on me like, oh, okay, I think there's a bit of confusion between what a marketing and a sales funnel is. So a marketing funnel is basically what I've just described is that how are people discovering you? How are you nurturing people? How are you converting people? How are you um, retaining people like that is your marketing funnel, that process of a you know person in your audience discovering nurturing blah 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 um or you could kind of call it your your customer journey in a way so that is a marketing funnel a sales funnel is essentially really uh, revolves around email so it's there are so many different types of sales funnels Mm. but traditionally it's usually where people opt in for some kind of freebie whether that is, you know, it could be any kind of freebie, it could be a webinar, but it could be, you know, ebook, checklist, all of those kind of things. And then when they've opted into that freebie, they join a sales funnel, which I don't, I don't want to get like too nuanced here because it could do <laughs> so many different things. But basically, it warms up your audience, it nurtures your audience, and it's ultimately it sells to your audience. It offers people that have signed up to that freebie an offer. So the chances are the freebie is going to be related to a course or something that they offer, and they'll say, you know, through a process of emails, oh, you've you've done this little bit, the next step is this. Why don't you join my course or program or whatever it is a sales funnel is an email system basically but the big thing to understand about sales funnel is that you need you know a lot of traffic coming into it for it to work for you sales funnels convert at about two percent that's like a good conversion rate so if you think for every 100 people that you're getting in you're going to get roughly two sales that kind of shows you how much traffic you need to be getting through it which all comes down to your marketing funnel how many people are you kind of 
getting through that basically, particularly at that discover stage. So now I can't even remember the original question. <laughs> Can <laughs> you okay. remind me? Yeah, yeah, no worries. That's a really good um, distinction to put in as well. And I will link as well to some blog posts you've written on sort of how you can do ethical sales funnels as well because that yeah. is something that you know mm-hmm. I didn't sort of put in these questions because that's a whole other mm-hmm. topic and I know mm-hmm. that that's something that you're really passionate about as well um, and you know maybe you can go back in the future and talk to us about sales yeah. funnels um, <laughs> so yeah it. can you give us an example of how your marketing funnel that oh, yeah. people will discover you and then sure. go on to work with you for example yeah definitely so like I said in the previous episode, this is something that I'm definitely working on after getting out of that launch cycle and also moving my website over to Squarespace 7.1. I'm kind of building from the bottom again with my evergreen marketing. But what this looks like is, in terms of discovery, the things that I'm focusing on right now are blogging, so getting discovered through Google search, and YouTube, which I... It's so funny because all of the marketing I was doing pre-burnout, I, I still... I still struggle a bit with my podcast, which is really sad because I've loved it for so long, but I still, there's still something there that obviously I still feel a little bit of burnout around maybe. So anyway, I'm really loving video editing and YouTube at the moment. So those are my kind of discovery channels is blog, SEO, YouTube, also kind of outreach like this, where I'm speaking on other people's podcasts and things. Um, Yeah, that's kind of it for the discover stuff. And then when it comes to nurturing, and this is why I love evergreen marketing as well, is because you can kind of kill two birds with one stone because the blog posts, which are obviously created around things I want to talk about, obviously, but then obviously (laughs) the keywords that are going to help it show up on Google, that's how people discover me. And then they click through to the blog and then the blog posts themselves do a bit of that nurture job. usually they have kind of like video content in there as well so that's where the YouTube stuff comes in so yeah I'm really liking YouTube and blogging for killing those two birds with one stone because they discover they do the discovery job but they also do the nurture job as well so blog YouTube I also have my podcast and um yeah those are my those are my nurture channels and then when it comes to convert or invite to buy it's my email list and it's also I still want to mention it's not an evergreen marketing channel as much but still talking to people still just dropping people an email and being like hey you reached out a while ago you're still interested in this or by the way I've only got these couple of slots in the next couple of months just checking you know like that is so powerful and we forget about that a lot of the time um but yeah email email is my love and I'm trying to really kind of I have so many ideas for email about kind of creating a specific format and, you know, I play around with it all the time, but I love email. And then, yeah, in terms of the final kind of retention piece or the um, surprise and delight piece, it's primarily about delivering a good service. It's also about something I'm trying to get better at is for my service-based clients is getting them gifts. (laughs) I know that sounds like such a silly thing, but actually... It is a really lovely way to surprise and delight your clients and, you know, remind them that you're thinking of them and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And nurture funnels for more things like courses and things like that. You know, after someone's bought a course, it's kind of helping them get the most out of that course and helping them get a really good result. So, yeah, that's kind of the rundown. And my focus, what I'm really trying to stay focused on is instead of trying to do all of the things, do a few things well. So, really, it comes down to blogging, YouTube, email. That's kind of like... The, the three I'm really focusing on at the moment mm, and then they sort of as you say like feed into one another as well so if you can mm. do those things well it will sort of help yes. people trickle down too yeah. yeah um yeah that's really it's I think it's always just really helpful to have those examples of real businesses to see how people and to see like oh you know you might not have everything figured out and it might not look perfect for you and yeah. we were talking about this in the last episode as well that you know sometimes it can look really messy for everyone like we're all sort of in those messy phases and I think Mm. especially with something like blogging for example or YouTube like you can't just get like a perfect grid aesthetic you know straight away it's it's going to take time but what I love about blogging in particular and we don't talk about this enough is um that you can go back and edit it so you can still like 
an important part of SEO is updating your content that's doing well and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But also think about it as if you feel like when you're just starting out with blogging, you're not that great, you can go back and edit as you improve. And that's, you know, so so like, it's wonderful. It's not set in stone. Um, And I I really like blogging for that, especially Um, Mm. a bit harder with podcasts and um, YouTube. And I know both of us have previously pulled off a bunch of podcast episodes and, you know, started fresh. And I think that's absolutely fine as well. It's just a bit easier with Mm -hmm. blogging because you can just edit what's there and and republish. Um, Yeah. Hello, I am briefly popping in, interrupting myself to share a little bit about my new service, the Copy Edit. This is a detailed audit of your website words combined with thoughtful suggested copy rewrites in your brand voice. So you can feel really confident that your website is the home of your business with copywriting that nurtures your dream people. It's perfect for you if you've written your own copy or if you've pivoted your business over a few years and want to make sure that the messaging is really cohesive, speaking to the right people. I look through your main website pages and your sales pages and product descriptions and give really thoughtful feedback on what's working and where things can be improved and then this is my favorite thing, I will rewrite sections of your website. Now, these are, of course, just suggestions, so you can use it as a starting point for the things that you want to change on the website. But my aim with this, as one of my lovely clients literally said she did, is that you can copy and paste these updates to your website. So my client said that the voice and the wording of the rewrites felt so spot on that she just was able to put them straight on the website and update it without any stress. I want to help you create a website that's nurturing your audience and helping you sell. The process for a copy edit is simple. You book, you fill out the questionnaire and within a week I'll send you a detailed report with all my recommendations And then we'll meet virtually for a debrief call where you can quiz me about all the aspects of the report, ask any other questions or get my feedback on any updates you've made. So if you head to the episode notes, you'll find a link to book your own copy edit and I'll include a link to a blog post where I share extracts from a real life edit so you can get a feel for what's involved and what to expect. Now back to the episode. And one thing I just want to say about blogging really quickly, because I'm kind of lucky in that I also have my service based clients and I get to see behind the scenes in their websites and businesses as well, is that you don't even necessarily need hundreds and hundreds of blog posts. I have some clients who genuinely have thousands of blog posts, which blows my mind. And of course, they are getting a ton of evergreen traffic. I also have a couple of clients who probably have like 30, 40 blog posts, but they know their audience. They know what they're searching for and they are getting about the same amount of traffic, which is tens of thousands of monthly views from those 35, 40 blog posts as someone is from almost a couple of thousand. So I think, because also the other thing that often comes up for people is, oh my goodness, I just can't bear the idea of like blogging every week for like five years, which... Ideally, if you can do it, it's great. (laughs) But it's you're so right. You can write like pillar pieces of content and keep going back and and optimizing it if that's more your game. If you're more like of a bit of a data nerd, like take that route with it. Um, Because I think you can you can write you know hundreds of blog posts, but if they're not kind of really targeted towards what your people want and what they're searching for. You could also put that energy into kind of really optimizing certain bits of um, content. And I just want to mention as well what you kind of alluded to earlier, which I should have mentioned in terms of my marketing funnel, how they feed into each other. So obviously the SEO stuff is obvious, like people find me on Google and then they click through to the blog post. On YouTube, in my show notes, I try to link to or in the description, I try to link to the blog post that's associated with it a freebie, how you can work with me, just as many links on my website as possible so that then hopefully they come over to my website 
from my blog posts. I then make sure I mention one of my, my freebies, one of my lead magnets in each blog post. And I also mention how people can work with me so that once people are on my website, the idea is I then get them on my mailing list as much as possible. So yeah, they feed each other, which is kind of the key, key thing that I missed. Yeah, (laughs) it's fine. I think people, I think people probably do get it by now, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think it's, it's just, it, it does make me more excited about marketing than the energy draining mm. idea of, of going on social media. But speaking of social media, I am definitely going to mm. link to a blog post you wrote about how you can sort of get consistent with blogging by taking mm. some of your Instagram posts and things like that. Yeah. So I, I loved that idea from you that um, it's such a simple mindset sort of switch to be like, well, actually... Yeah. I'm spending this much time on social media. If I maybe just spent like an hour less doing that and just repurposed mm-hmm. that and wrote a bit more for my book, you can have a mm-hmm. blog post. So it also yeah. doesn't have to be super daunting to start. Obviously, it is amazing to start with SEO and all that sort of stuff. But also yeah. in saying that, if you can just get started in any way yeah. and get a blog post up or a couple of blog posts, get yourself into the habit and then as you learn more about SEO you can go back and um, you know update the keywords update the things and I'll also link in the show notes to the episodes of this podcast that I've done outlining the very base just the basics you need to get started with blogging for SEO because actually you know as much as you know you and I might enjoy looking at the stats and stuff also Mm -hmm. don't let you put that let that put you off because you can just get started and as I say update as you go but at least then you're in the habit you're getting stuff there and it's like it's a start and it's slowly starting to build traffic um even if it's not perfect to begin with yeah um yeah I couldn't agree more on that one (laughs) couldn't couldn't agree more and I I think it's funny because a client um, said to me a while ago, like a service-based client, she was like, I guess I could start writing blog co- blog posts. And I was like, hold that thought. Went over to her Instagram account, literally just looked at her best performing posts, copy and pasted those captions. And I was like, you've basically written about 50 blog posts here. You could easily fill these out so that obviously they're longer form pieces of content, but you are blogging. You just don't realize it. And I think that can be a really helpful mindset shift that actually the website comes first because that's your home on the internet. That's the thing you control. And then you can take bits from that and put it on social media. Yeah, that feels like the healthier mindset to me. I mean, I get why people always go to social media first. It's kind of kind of quicker in a way. It's fine. It's Um, sexy. You get a dopamine hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The website is working for you 24-7. You don't have to be on it all the time because I'm sure... Most people listening yeah. will have experienced that drop in engagement or whatever. The minute you step back from social yeah. media, that all mm-hmm. plummets. So the idea that actually it can be the complete opposite and just get better yeah. and better when you yeah. put things on your website is yeah. so fun. I love that. Like that, that is also what I love about it um, as well. Yeah. So um, where would you recommend people listening to this and, you know, maybe they've got one or two elements or maybe mm-hmm. they are like, oops, I'm completely reliant on social media. Sure, Where yeah. can people get started putting together um, their evergreen marketing? Sure. Well, I think the easiest place to start is with blogging because it's just kind of like the lowest barrier to entry because with podcasting and video, it's a longer process. I'm not going to lie. It takes longer. You've got to learn how to edit and thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, And the chances are you've probably already got a website, so you don't have to pay any more to put a blog on it. So yeah, start with blogging. And like you say, SEO can feel quite intimidating. So, but ultimately SEO is just about making sure that the right people can find your content and it's easy for them to read. It's easy for them to, you know, get that information. It's not like you know, this thing you've got to gamify. It's not so much like the social media algorithm. It's more Mm. about let's make sure the right people can find your content. So if you know your audience and you know what they need, what they're struggling with, what they want, if you just write around that, the chances are your SEO will be in a decent place. And then, like you say, you can go back, you can edit it, you can update it, you can, you know, add in more keywords or whatever. But if you're writing from a point of... um, 
yeah, just kind of knowing what your audience needs. If you're listening out to what they're asking on social media and things like that, write about it. And that will be a really good place to start. Also, do what I did for that client. Go and look at your Instagram post, particularly the most engaged. And I'm not talking about likes, I'm talking about comments. Copy and paste those captions and use those as a starting point for your blog posts. And if you're feeling really, um, like overwhelmed I guess about starting with blogging which I think is the big reason why people struggle to get started I do have a a free virtual blogging retreat which is just like a three-day email series just to help you get started in the easiest possible way and help you start writing blog posts in like 20 minutes because so many people are basically blogging they're micro blogging on social media and if you can copy and paste those captions over and bulk them out a little bit that's a blog post I always say like in the way that a bikini body is just a body or a beach body is a body on the beach like <laughs> a blog post is a post on your blog it doesn't need to look like anything it doesn't need to be the most shiny thing on your website or the most shiny thing on the internet it just needs to be some written content on your blog and I say Nothing the exact was... same thing for email as well like because people yeah. put, people put off email for exactly the same reason they think oh my god I've got to have all this fancy stuff you you I mean a welcome sequence is great but you don't even you don't even need that to get started yeah. all you yeah, need yeah. is a way to send emails a way to collect email addresses yes again a lead magnet's really great does help mm-hmm. but you know if you can put that link in your blog post and then if a lot of people are like, okay, I've done that or I've got the lead magnet, I've got the welcome sequence and I just never email anyone because I don't know what to say. Yeah. Again, go back <laughs> through your Instagram post and, yeah. you know, your Instagram post from like two years ago because people have forgotten yeah. about that already. Like, no one's going to remember that. No one's <laughs> going to remember that. And all you need, like email even more so, you can almost use the exact same thing as you had mm-hmm. on Instagram because it, it, it can be way shorter than your blog post as well. Like a couple of hundred yeah. words, like even just a hundred words in a really yeah. short, sharp, snappy email is fine. Like, you know, yeah. I think we just overcomplicate all these marketing things, again, probably because we see it we, and we see it done by the big gurus and we see it done by companies yeah. that have whole teams mm-hmm. and we have to remind ourselves that we are just one person most of the yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah, and I I think as well, the reason why we see these examples of marketing so much more than evergreen examples is because that's kind of the point of them. They are there to be like big, shouty, in-your-face, obvious, like launches and social media marketing and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Because that's how it works. It's all about like being in-your-face. But there are lots of businesses out there who really do focus on SEO and they are absolutely killing it but they're quieter they're less obvious they're just in the background doing their own thing and probably living a slightly less stressed out life (laughs) so (laughs) I think it's like important to remember that just because this is all the examples we see it's it's not the case that that's how you get success it's just one way of doing it but the other way is kind of quieter and it's a little bit more subtle but for the introverts out there you know there's yeah other ways of doing things yeah that's really helpful thank you um and I usually end on like top three tips but I feel like you've given us lots of tips in in our last few episodes so I just want uh I wonder if you wanted to reiterate you know your top three reasons for people to try or start their evergreen marketing this year yeah sure well I feel feel like I've really held off on having a rant about social media I feel very proud of myself but I think at this last (laughs) opportunity so I think I find it really interesting that my last blog post, the the so marketing without social media is my most um, searched and clicked on blog post. It doesn't surprise me though, because this is what I'm hearing from everyone. Like, how can I get off there? Or how can I market without social media or less of it? And I really, like, my, um, social media does not make me feel good. And then you mentioned this, I can't remember which episode it was in, but you mentioned, you know, how it feels very samey. It doesn't feel like that creative anymore because everyone's got the same flipping sounds and everyone's, you know, trying to jump on the same trends or they see, oh, that's, you know, that's working for someone. Let me jump on that. And it also feels quite like trashy and messy. And don't get me wrong, I 
really am a recovering perfectionist and I struggle to get content out there that's like, oh, that'll, that'll do. And I really admire people that can do that. But um, I think if social media is giving you like, like it's making your skin crawl a little bit, like it's time to really get serious about finding an alternative way to market your business. Because like we said quite a few times, if you're struggling with the way you're marketing your business, if it is like you're really pushing yourself to do it or you're doing it because you feel you should, it really is time to find another way of doing things. And if, you know, what we've mentioned around blogging, you know, writing, you're like, oh, I'm just so not a writer. Start a podcast, start doing video. Um, That's how I started actually really with my podcast was because I was like much more confident just with talking um, and I've grown my confidence with writing. But I think, you know, if it helps to start first with a podcast and then make a blog post off the back, back of that, do it. But yeah, if social media is making your skin crawl a little bit, if you're thinking, oh, I wish I could grow a business without this, or oh, it just seems impossible to not use social media. Um, yeah, I guess I just want people to know that it is. And yes, it's probably more of a long game, the evergreen marketing route. But if that's how you're feeling, I just really want to encourage people to give evergreen marketing a go because like, where's the joy in forcing yourself to do something you hate? You started this business to do what you love. So yeah, don't feel like you have to be tied to that marketing channel. So that's kind of like my mini social media rant. (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) And um, do you want to give us two other reasons why people should try get started with evergreen marketing this year? Sure. Well, like I said right at the beginning, I help people build freedom-friendly businesses. And to me, like, freedom means something different to everyone, I think. But to me, freedom does not mean, um, you know, having to create content from scratch every day or creating content that only has a 48-hour shelf life or, you know, hustling away, running launch after launch. That does not create a lifestyle where you can take a spontaneous afternoon off or you know, decide, actually, I'm going to get a flight over to visit my friend and go and work with her for a week. It just doesn't, because you can't do that while you're launching and you're, you know, doing all these different things. So evergreen marketing is something that helps enable you to do that in time. Of course, it takes a little while to build up, but it's something that helps enable you to do that because of what we said earlier, you write a blog post or you create a video or you create a podcast and it's there. People go back to it you know, months and years later, or it keeps driving traffic months and years later. And after you've built up a bank there, you do have that freedom and flexibility to be like, right, I'm going to head off and, you know, go and work from here for a week. Or I am feeling like I'm approaching, like I've got those burnout feels. I'm going to take a a week off or something. Mm. So it's the long game, but it is ultimately the route to a more freedom friendly business. Um, And finally, I think it's like the fulfillment of it. I really, you mentioned earlier about sending your emails and then you almost, you look at, look at it in your own inbox the next day and you're like, yeah, that's a goodie. Um, like I did that this morning. I looked at my emails like, yeah, that's a goodie. Cause I had written something. And then yesterday I just had this idea. I just, you know, typed it out in seconds and sent it, like scheduled it quite late last night. And like the old one, I'll probably send another time. And then I looked at this morning. I was like, yeah, that's a goodie. Um, <laughs> And when you get a blog on blog post on your blog, it feels really good because you know it's kind of like nurturing your little home on the internet. Whereas I personally find with shorter form content, I don't want to slag off social media all the time, but it just keeps coming back. Like creating reels and things like that that just has a couple of day shelf life. It almost gives me anxiety because I'm like, oh God, I hope this does well because it needs to do well in the next few hours because otherwise that was a waste of my time. Oh my God, exactly, Um, yes. So yeah, Yeah. I think evergreen marketing just feels so much more fulfilling because you don't have that attachment to, oh my God, how many comments is it going to get? How many likes is it going to get? Because it's like, this may start, you know, really driving traffic in three or four months time. Mm. So it kind of takes that pressure away of like, this needs to do well in the next 24 hours, Mm, (laughs) which is kind of... definitely. Um, kind of anxiety inducing (laughs) yeah definitely um I just thought of another question that I probably should have Mm. asked earlier but you know when we talk about evergreen marketing sometimes like you might hear that and think okay that means I'm instead of launching in cycles Mm -hmm, I'm going to be selling all the time 
does that mean you need to be pushing stuff all the time? Like, how does it work when we replace launching and open close, all that sort of stuff, with a more evergreen approach? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways that people tend to do it. Some people still enjoy launching and maybe they do it once or twice a year and they use the evergreen marketing almost to like build their audience in between each launch or nurture their audience. And if you're looking out at like the, you know, the big sort of business coaches and things like that, you will notice people do this. You know, people like um, Jenna Kutcher, Marie Forleo, um, even... um, Ashlyn writes who's like a copywriter and she runs courses and things you will notice them you know really focusing in on a couple of topics and really like creating a lot of free evergreen content around that blog post videos and things like that and they're all about getting people on their mailing list and then a couple of months later they'll run a launch and it's like ah that was all intentional they were building their audience they were warming them up and then they launched them so that's one way that people do it if you kind of want to go much more sort of evergreen only or largely evergreen it's it's about yeah it is about constantly inviting people to find out about working with you but you're not constantly doing it Mm. your content is because for example I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying she was saying, I'm going back through my blog post and kind of making sure I've got those calls to action in there. She was like, I've got to talk about a freebie or, you know, how they can all work with me. And I said, well, no, talk about both. So in each blog post, you know, about halfway through, wherever it feels relevant, stick in a banner or an inline link that talks about a relevant freebie to what you're talking about to invite people onto your mailing list. And then at the end of that post, you have a banner or an inline link where it feels relevant to say, you know, if you want to know more about this or if you want to get serious about X, Y, Z, find out more about working with me here. So it is about getting into a habit of constantly inviting people to find out more about working with you. And this is why I use the word invite, because I think it feels a bit less intimidating for people. Yeah, I like it. we're not pressuring <laughs> anyone. We're not like being manipulative or anything like that. We're inviting them to find out more about working with us, buying from us, etc. But if you're training yourself to get into the habit of doing that, you aren't physically being there being like, go and, go and find out more about working with me. Oh, go over to this link. Your yeah. content's doing it for you in a natural way that isn't, that doesn't feel icky. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, it does seem it, like it, it, will... it is constantly selling that your content's doing it, not you. Yeah. And it does seem like that is more ideally suited to, say, a service-based business. Um, I think evergreen marketing, obviously, I'm sure you agree, is still important for, say, product-based businesses, but you might have more, like, you might have more launches where you have new products coming or you're restocking your shop, but then, you know, getting people to find you, getting people onto your email list so they can find out when the product is out, like, that's still Mm -hmm. really important, but it seems like it will... Um, in terms of not having to lead up to a launch. Like for me this year, I just want to be able to say like, this is what I have space to work with now. And if yeah. someone contacts me about working with them, I can say, well, that's great. I'm, I can take on projects from this date. For example, if I'm sort of full, mm-hmm. it's not a case of you can only work with me between X date and Y date. But again, I guess that all yeah. comes when you're working that out it all comes back to what your services are, what your products are, what your offers look like, um, mm-hmm. and then working out the strategy that sort of fits in around yeah. that and is going to work. And as you said before, like when in the previous episode, um, a lot of your services this year has been trial and error. So it might feel messy, yeah. but you might just have to do trial <laughs> and error for a bit until you, yeah, until figure, you figure it out. out. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think when it comes to whatever you're offering products, physical products you know digital products services whatever I think it's almost like the step before your marketing like you say there's an element of figuring out along the way but it's figuring out what your personality is what you have the energy for what kind of work you like doing all of that kind of stuff and then making sure that your products and services align with that Mm. because if you are someone that doesn't want to be on the phone an awful lot then doing I don't know like one-to-one 
calls with like lot, having your diary packed out with one-to-one calls and tr- trying to sell something like that is going to be a struggle for you so before you even get to like the marketing stuff it's like checking in with what lifestyle do I want to have what do I want my work days to look like okay so what's going to align with that and there's always different ways that you can do things and I'm really similar to you so with my sales funnel builds and my evergreen marketing strategy service the clients that I work with are just so like, oh my God, just come in, get it done, like just crack on. I have like a kickoff call with them and then I mainly voice note them and, you know, rarely jump on many more calls, to be honest, because I'm exactly the same. Like, I just want to squirrel away. But if I was an extrovert, I'd probably, I don't know, maybe I'd do like VIP days and do it in person or do lots of more collaborative projects. So yeah, you've got to figure out what's right for you and then tie that into yeah how you're marketing and selling it for sure yeah oh so much to think about thank you I know so much <laughs> um and I realized you know we ended the last episode and we didn't I will of course include all the links to um where to find you but you know I didn't I didn't because we because we were coming straight on to do this chat as well I didn't really give you a chance to talk about how people can work with you and find you so um tell people a little bit about where they can find you online and and what you can do for them sure definitely so the best place to find me is unsurprisingly on my blog (laughs) on youtube and on my mailing list um so yeah my website is josephinebrooks.co.uk you can find me on youtube which i'm really enjoying at the moment so just youtube.com forward slash um josephine brooks or at josephine brooks and um yeah and i also have a couple of freebies that might help people kind of get started with this stuff my virtual blogging retreat which i mentioned um is a short email series designed to help you get started with blogging like the lowest barrier to entry possible and i also have a free marketing without social media checklist which has got i think like 30 different ways like that there's lots of low-hanging fruit little bits you can do to strengthen your seo or strengthen your non-social media marketing basically so you might be keen to check those out and in terms of how i work with people like i mentioned i have my sales funnel build and evergreen marketing strategy service where i kind of come in and do it all for you or I have courses which I'm working on developing um, and I also do some mentoring as well. So kind of like short strategy sessions or at the moment I'm offering a few three months like mentoring blocks. So yeah, different options for wherever you are in business basically. But yeah, come and say hi. I'd love to love to chat with you. And um, yeah, something I do really love actually, which I didn't mention is that when I send emails, I so often get like lovely chatty replies and I just love that. So if you receive one of my emails, feel free to hit reply because the chances are, if you send me a DM on social media, you probably won't hear back from me for weeks. So (laughs) that's the best way to chat. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. It's been so fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Content Etc. If you head over to wordbywordstorytelling.com forward slash blog, you'll find a blog version of this episode. There'll be links to anything I've mentioned in this episode in the show notes on your podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by tagging me in your stories on Instagram, where I'm at wordbywordstorytelling. And let me know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. If you know someone who would enjoy listening to the show, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is still one of the most powerful forms of podcast recommendation. Make sure you're following the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it drops.